0: welcome to farming eternal an eternal podcast i'm recording right yes okay (laughs) welcome to farming eternal an eternal podcast for farmers hosted by me patrick or patamaro and hats on lamps hello hats hello how's it going
1: um i'm fine i'm just doing fine how are you i'm i'm pretty good what was the pause there this was your whole idea anyway what was my what asking how i am yeah <laughs> the the human thing that humans do uh, <laughs> that was my idea wow uh, it's really caught on hasn't it <laughs> asking how people are
0: yeah. well i used to save it for the draft week section but you, you thought i talked too much well let's have this out now
1: i guess <laughs> <Let's>... <laughs> What? let's let's talk about how awkward it is to ask how i am the first time you mentioned my name (laughs) let's talk about it on a psychological level you weren't ready for your own segment oh well no i mean i don't know like i'm in a different mood on different days (laughs) go ahead and ask me how i am again (laughs) so how's it going hats fantastic
0: oh awesome that's great to hear I'm I'm glad you're excited for episode 84 here. And uh, for those of you who have no idea what's happening right now, we are a draft-focused podcast. Our goal is to help you and me, mostly me, get better at draft. We get into the nitty-gritty of the drafting process with a little meta-analysis and play tips thrown in, and uh, hopefully a little bit of humor. This week, we're talking about the top uncommons in Empire of Glass in our ongoing segment of talking about every single card in Empire of Glass. So, how was your draft week? I know you're doing fantastic, but more specifically...
1: That's also fantastic, and it's true. Um, my, I haven't been drafting a ton. Uh, not as much as I usually uh, do when I'm, like, really... I guess not as much as, as, as I was at the beginning of the format, but uh, on average, doing quite well. Uh, still up in the top ten, rank-wise. Um, and... I, that's to a certain degree. All you need is one really good run to to uh, to gain a bunch of ranks. But um, I don't know. I'm probably doing something right. So I'm still enjoying it. The lat my last three drafts that I had seven wins with uh, have been totally different decks. One was sort of a big Praxis deck. One was well, it was a big Praxis deck, but like. You can have a pretty low curve with with big Praxis in this this format. (laughs) On turn three, you're already dropping dropping five fives on turn three, so my big Praxis deck that costs no power to run. Um, And one was an Argent Port deck, and one was an Elysian deck, Uh, so those are all very different. And... Uh, yeah, I still I still stand by the idea that you can draft anything and do well in this format. Um, even though uh, it's certainly easier if you just draft all the aggressive fire cards and just hope your opponent can't get it together in time to stop you. That that's also a viable strategy, more so than usual. Um, but I think if you've I think if you uh, kind of know what you're doing, you can you can draft practically any strategy and do well as long as it's fairly open.
0: Yeah, I I agree with that. I've been, I also uh, have had a pretty good week. I feel like our weeks are kind of in sync here. Yeah, they really are. Um, So I had a, a bunch of runs. I did have one seven win run, and then about four or five decks with just winning records, not quite getting to seven wins. I keep drafting these Elysian decks, and then not quite, not quite getting to seven wins. So I'm wondering if I'm like, I don't know if overvaluing certain elision cards is the correct term for it, but I keep finding myself choosing elision cards.
1: What are the then, cards getting you into it? I don't
0: even know. I think I don't know. I, I really don't know. I yeah. I guess maybe call call the reserves and then mabel off elites. Send the yeah. reserves. Or not call the reserves. What, what's it? The, send in uh, the
1: reserves. Send in the reserves. Send the reserves. Send in the. <laughs> I, wonder, I wonder what this card is. <laughs> the, two one, the two ones. The two ones. The lots of two ones. Yeah, Send
0: for the reserves. Send yes. for the reserves. Call the out. Al- call in the allies.
1: Call the allies. Send in the yeah. reserves.
0: Call up all your allies. Call on allies. Call. <laughs> <laughs> Ring the reserves, and... Yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess I just like all the Amplify cards, so I just take all the Amplify cards and then hope it makes a deck a lot of the time. Well, and then the it does so many powerful things. And I, I, I actually think part of it is there's just so many kind of, like... There's, like, all the card advantagey cards, you know, like the five-cost Amplify draw card, the 3-3, three, three, I think. It is the primal one. It's, uh, you get to draw a card
1: every time you amplify. Oh, yeah, Quartermaster. Quartermaster. naval Quartermaster. Yeah. yeah. What a great card. Yeah, it is. It is great. I pick those fairly high, too, sometimes almost speculatively. Uh, yeah. Because sometimes primal is so open that it doesn't matter that it's a little weaker than the other factions. You just get, like, if you, if you just get all of the good on commons, then there's your deck. Yes, exactly.
0: So, that, that's kind of what I've been doing. Um, it, it can... I feel like what can happen sometimes, though, is you just, like, you get all of these, like, cool cards that don't necessarily ma- make a deck or match together, or you need to, like, make sure you're really valuing fixing because you kind of need, like, justice to help out in a little bit with Soldier Synergy or Amplify Synergy or... Stuff like that, I yeah.
1: don't know. So it's a trickier yeah.
0: deck to draft, but it's it's a fun
1: deck. It yeah. is, and it can win. Like that was my, like that was my last deck was um, was Illusion. It was just straight up amplify stuff, and it was extremely strong. Um, so it can be, uh, it can all come together. But a, I've had the the experience too of getting some some sort of flashy amplify payoffs and then not really getting enough strong amplify cards to make the whole thing work or enough fixing to play all of this stuff that I'm trying to put together and then just losing to myself that's happened too. yeah
0: yeah and like I think I went um like four three and five three with the decks and I've gotten a couple six threes with the Elysian deck just not getting a lot of seven wins with them but I don't think it's a bad deck
1: yeah, the one of the main weaknesses is that uh, all the flyers are in the other factions. If you draft a legion, so mm-hmm. you really need to be able to deal with those flyers because they'll just sort of get you before you can do anything about it.
0: Yes, and um, yes, and those just aren't. I mean, you have the vicious overgrowth as like a way to deal with flyers, but there just aren't
1: a ton of ways to deal with flyers in. No. No, and that's Alicia just what that's just that just deals with them one at a time. Um, yeah.
0: And then even like Swirl the Sand is like usually a really strong card, but I feel like in this format, I mean, there are flyers you really want to deal with, but there's just like a ton of little flyers where you, you're either like, you know, power neutral on it or even like, you know, down down a power just because you need to like deal with a flyer. Yeah, that's true. And, and there aren't that many expensive relics that you're really worrying about with Swirl of Sands. I don't know.
1: No, not in this format. Yeah, I, I, I rate it down Swirl of Sands too. Uh, what is it? Uh, relics and flyers and something else, right? I think it's just relics and flyers. Oh, okay. Well, um, yeah. Usually your problem isn't just one big flyer. However, sometimes it is. Sometimes... <laughs> Sometimes a little flyer becomes a big flyer over the course of a couple of turns in this format, and then Swirl This ends is great if you have the patience to use it.
0: Yeah, um, after or your
1: tronning has taken place. Your opponent plays decrower. Or... Yeah, it's nice to have an out to decro because decro decro. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I should say a decro, but uh, yeah, that, that's I think if we do a rares episode, uh, it's hard to imagine. That card not being right at the top of the most annoying ones.
0: Yes. Yeah, I feel like I hadn't actually internalized just how good that card was until it was played against me, and then I was like, "Oh, you can never kill it."
1: Yeah, you can. You can, it gets back regen every turn, so yeah. you can't ever block it and kill it. Okay, yeah.
0: <laughs> and it blocks.
1: It's and, like, it, and it completely dominates the battlefield every turn. Huh. <laughs> I guess I need a hard removal for that. Hope I'm in the right factions. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, that's how my announcement,
0: or my, <laughs> that's <laughs> how my week went. And that's on right? to announcements, um, which is, uh, our plug for our Patreon, which we do every week, uh. So, yeah, we have a Patreon. It's at patreon.com slash farmingeternal, where for as little as a dollar a month, you can sign up, support the show, help us pay for the hosting costs, keep us motivated in some sense, and you get access to show notes and recording bloopers, and I can say that with confidence this week. You published
1: some recording bloopers.
0: Because there are recording bloopers. I'm feeling confident about that, and... I already put a link to the show notes in the Discord. Nice for the patrons, so it has happened. Patrons could potentially be looking at this right now if they wanted to, if they so choose to.
1: Genuine bonus content,
0: yes. And I say thank you personally. So, thank you, Cotillion, Loki Trickster, Sigma Tank, Mercurio Blue, Abidnego, Meagles, Madness, Parmely, Darth Herman 2, Twin Hex, Jed the Hamrod. Raven Dragon, Esridge0215, Sunblaze, Worked on Sun, and Yist Out. And special thanks to Esridge0215 for the really nice message that he posted on Discord.
1: Yeah, that was lovely.
0: <laughs> so, um, card of the
1: week. What's your card of the week? My card of the week is Realign the Stars. Uh, Realign the Stars is a fast spell in Primal. It costs three and one Primal Influence, and it says draw a card with Amplify of your choice from your deck. Uh, and I wanted to talk about this because it's become my favorite card in in the format. Just no competition. I really love it. Uh, there are so many different cards with Amplify that do different things that this feels like a very important card if you're playing the Amplify deck. Um, I In my last deck, the 7-1 Elysian deck that I keep mentioning, had two copies of Realign the Stars. And I had a chance to get a third one during the draft. And I was like, I can't actually just play three Realign the Stars. Can I? How many actual Amplify cards am I getting? And I didn't take it. I took something else. Uh, But having those two was amazing. Because I only had one copy of uh, the three damage spell and uh, Vicious Overgrowth. And having realigned the stars meant that I could have I could definitely draw it every game. <laughs> and and also I had finishers such as Forbidden Tree and Starved Vorlunk, um, which are, are good if you've got some power sitting around. And that meant that I could have my finishers when I needed them as well. So I think it's very good in this format, particularly because Amplify is, of course, a theme. And also I just love having that much control. In a limited deck. Because one of the things about limited decks. is, you, Unless you get a lot of copies. Of cards that do the same thing. It's a little unpredictable what your deck is going to do. Um, but with a card like Rewind and Stars. In your deck. You, you kind of get to do whatever you want. Every game. Um, and I enjoy that feeling. I enjoy having control over the situation. Uh, so yeah. Um, uh, they don't often. Put, uh, put. Put tutors like this. Um, in limited, you know, like it would if you have too much control, then every game is the same and it's not interesting anymore. Um but I really like having them when when they exist. I guess the last one uh was the was the weapon master in uh in just the very last format, right? <laughs> the, yeah. No, the for- that, that yeah.
0: one. The other one that that kind of more reminds me of real Realign the Stars is uh the Dragon Forge, the yeah, Dragon
1: Forge, yeah, it's similar to that. I like Realign the Stars better, oddly enough, but re- it's very similar. Yes, yeah, and
0: I I was thinking the same thing actually, and I I think one of the reasons that Realign the Stars maybe plays and feels better than like a card like Dragon Forge um, is that. Not only do you get to choose any amplify, amplify card from your deck, but and the amplify cards are often good on their own, but also there's so many amplify payoffs and having a realign the stars kind of helps you when you have the payoffs in play to draw like just the right amplify card you need. Like, oh I just like I have a Mabel off Elite. Why don't I realign the stars for a hardiness? Cause that can really like grow the Mabel off elite really quickly. Or, you know, I just have a lot of soldiers, so now I can do, um, you know, ring your friends and give them all plus three, plus three. Um, So there's, like, a lot of flexibility because you're not just drawing a card. you're, you're You're able to, like, draw a card that helps your board a lot as compared to Dragonforge where you're, like, Yes, you can draw the right weapon or whatever, but it's still just, they're all going to kill an enemy unit,
1: you know? Yeah, they're all going to be, they're all going to be a weapon, and weapons usually don't have a huge variety of effects. Bladecrafter Crafter is what I meant, not Weapon Master, and it was two yes. sets ago. Uh, it felt like it was last set, because when Blade Crafter was boosted and it was getting corrosive daggers, it felt like it was part of the main set. <laughs> <laughs> um but also like and dragonforge could also get a dragon um but then a dragon is generally uh, uh, the same the dragons are tend to be similar to each other too it's a giant flying monster and so it was like having an extra copy of that with realign the stars yeah you've got so much you've got so much utility because the different amplify cards do different things and cost different things and so if you have a maveloft elite um, then it's a dramatic difference being able to just grab that hardiness uh, rather, instead of something with an Amplify three or an Amplify two, um. So yeah, they feel really they feel really powerful in the right deck. Obviously, you have to have a certain number of of Amplify cards in order to play a Realign the Stars. And I put that in the Discord at, at uh, in the Discord conversation about the deck at like three to one. If I have three Amplify cards, I'll play a Realign the Stars, and that's probably about right. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I, I like that rule of thumb. Especially,
0: you know, if you have a lot, you know, if you have a a lot of different utility um, Amplify cards. You know, it's like, it's different if you have like three Vicious Overgrowth. I don't know if you need a a Realign the Stars in that deck.
1: Yeah, probably Um, not. You've got enough copies of it, probably.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, But I agree. I think you know, like kind of what we were talking about in card of the week. There's just like a lot of interesting amplify cards, and so have being able to have selection from those, I think, is pretty helpful. So I've liked
1: this card a lot too. Yeah. So what's your card of the week?
0: Uh, my card is, um, I think, a, a card everyone loves to hate. Uh, I'm talking about Basher again, which is the five cost or the three cost. You would think would be five cost. <laughs> Uh-huh. the three cost five five with reckless and on summon you have to discard a card yeah
1: barricade dasher yeah 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 so, this was my card of the week two weeks ago in fact
0: yes and i I don't remember anything you said about it okay I really feel like this card is like a little overrated maybe that's crazy i guess I just it's coming from a place where all of my fire decks with Without ba- Like, I think there's a, a lower upper limit on it than people are taking into account. Like, the hands where you draw, like, three bashers is just so clunky. Like, I had a Rakano deck this week that, I think, when seven wins? It had three bashers in it. And the games where I drew my... Ba- like, the two games where I drew multiple bashers, I lost. And then the games where I didn't draw my bashers, I won because... You know, you fire has just so many good flyers and other other ways to win games. The basher, I felt like uh, it's always like more awkward than I expect it to be with how people talk about it. Like whenever I have a basher in hand, I'm just like, I don't really know how to play it or when to play it, or it just like feels awkward. And then when my opponents play bashers, yes, they're big, but you can deal with them. And they're still down a card. I I know I've said that fact before, but I don't know. It's just like, I'm never that scared of bashers. And all of my fire decks seem to do just fine when they don't have bashers in them.
1: Yeah, well, I am not as high on basher as some folks are. And I do have a limit on the number that I want in a deck, depending on how the deck is built. The higher my curve in the deck, like if I want to get to six drops, then I'm usually it's the makes that harder because often you want to discard a sigil and then you it, then it's harder to make your curve any higher but because it's possible to make a really good deck without your curve being very high in this format um i th- then i think Basher gets it gets pretty good in those in those situations plus plunder is very good so you can kind of manipulate how much power you're drawing in a lot of ways mm-hmm. um so, yeah, I mean, uh, part of me just doesn't want Basher to be good because it's not the kind of card that I um, usually enjoy playing, like, very high-risk, high-reward cards. Yeah. I, I, I like my, like, consistency, you know? The consistency of a Realign the Stars, for example. Um, but I... And, I, and also, I haven't had the like runaway success with just like straight-up fire decks that a lot of people have had. There's unquestionably very good fire cards, but I don't succeed with them that much more often than I do with other factions. And so I don't think of Basher as being a comma that I'll just take over everything. And I know there's some people that just go into this format and are like, well, if I see a Basher, I'll take a Basher, and then I'll build the rest of the deck with whatever other cards I can put in there. And I think that they have enough success doing that that you can hardly argue with them. Um, yes.
0: Well, that's the that's what's been confusing me a little bit is because Basher continues to be far and away the most common card that shows up in our seven win deck. So it's obviously doing well, people love it, people are winning with it. It's just in my experience and and I've drafted a lot of fire decks. I feel like I can say this. I've been more happy with my fire decks that don't have Basher than have had basher which seems crazy to be saying about the most prevalent card in seven win decks that is a three cost five five but it's
1: just like how my fire decks have been i don't know yeah yeah I, I don't know um yeah they the the fire decks i mean basher is part of a sort of an all-in strategy that i i, I feel like if people are taking basher then they're also taking Uh, side slash you know very high and they're taking just any card that does damage right away now and uh and isn't necessarily like efficient in a card advantage way um like i'll see basher sometimes played alongside uh um um, uh, Malaga mun- munitions, for example, and like it'll be like turn three, basher, then munitions on it. So now it's a seven six, and then like let's put more weapons on it now. And so like if I don't have an answer for that, I am gonna lose. Um, but. It it does seem like that shouldn't be a good strategy, <laughs> right? And I think that maybe the design of the format makes it a little tricky to have effective removal for that. Maybe there should have been more ways to deal with it. Um, but uh, I don't know. Um, it's it's a it's uh, I think it's a, a skill testing card to some degree, but it's not a skill testing card in the sense that. Uh, uh, uh in the sense that if you play it or don't play it it's testing your skill uh, it's uh it, it's whether you draft a deck that can deal with basher while also being a good deck against other strategies <laughs> right and I think that is has been a tricky thing and it I think as I said a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about basher before it has warped what cards I take and how high I take them um like, Uh, For example, Core Tap Maximizer, which is, without Relic Synergy, a 2-power 1-1 with Deadly, is way higher on my pick order than it would be in a non-Basher format. Like, if I've never cut a Core Tap Maximizer from my deck, no matter how unlikely it is to actually give me a power boost. Mm -hmm. And it's not a good card if it's not giving you a power boost, because it's a 2-power 1-1 and it's super easy to kill one ones in this format. However, I want as many outs to basher as I, as I can get, and so I don't cut it. <laughs>
0: yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I just, the fact that, I guess the fact that you can just double block basher makes it so less scary or, like, an issue for me.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, it, you, it's not like it can't be dealt with. It just puts pressure... It just basically asks a big question, and it's like, can you deal with this? And then, you know, often you can, but sometimes you can't, and then it gets a free win. It's the sort of card that gets free wins if your opponent doesn't happen to have a way of dealing with it. Um, So that's why it's strong. Like, there's not a lot of cards that win the game very quickly if your opponent doesn't have an answer for them, and Basher just is one of those cards. Right. And it's not the only card like that in Fire, and so drafting Fire tends to... um, sort of give you a lot of free wins that way
0: okay all right so uh yeah opinions still mixed on the card i guess i guess
1: so it's it's universally on one side and mixed (laughs) 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 so what you what you said like two weeks ago about uh power cell the card uh it's the um it's the 2-1 praxis card uh, with Decay, and it creates a Power Burst card that just gives mm-hmm. you an extra power for a turn. I did have a Power Cell in a deck with two Bashers so that I could discard that free little uh, Power Burst card to the Bashers the turn after I played it, and that was unfair. <laughs> that was a super unfair for me thing for me to do to my opponents. So if I, I don't know if Power Cell is a good card or not, but if you have a couple of Bashers, it's an insane card. <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah, I, I agree that that's sweet. When I mean, I think yeah, ways to mitigate
1: basher make it a very good card. Yeah, that that makes it feel more like a legitimate card and not just like a hey, I don't I don't know what I'm doing, but here's this five five. <laughs>
0: All right, on to the seven win breakdown. Uh, this is our long-standing data collection project here at Farming Eternal, where our listeners can send us in their seven win drafts to farmingeternal@gmail.com at gmail.com or post them in the seven wind channel on the farming eternal discord in either exported deck lists or any kind of eternal Warcry link and then we take this we compile all this information put it in a spreadsheet and talk about it on the show and as always uh thank you to john holio and here are our contributors this week so thank you to agent dynamo alabazoo beard broken clint mccool Collector, Cotillion, Darth Herman 2, D Dubs, Fast Cookie, Gunner 116, Hats on Lamps, Ip Longno, Jed the Homer, John Avon, John Holio, Meadow, Old Rich, Out on a Limb, Potamaru, Shab, Spiro, Esrid 0215, Spiffy Man, Tempest Dragon King, and Vader. Um, yeah, so uh, quick uh, interesting things of note. Um, one is. We haven't had a ton of dra- of decks since the um, the change happened, thirty six or so. But um, so far, not a huge difference. Um, still, no one is drafting Primal. Um, the main thing is time. We had a few more time drafts, but with just thirty six drafts, it's hard to really see changes. But Fire and Justice in those thirty six drafts have still been by. Above far and above the most drafted colors, so Ricano has not gone anywhere with the the changes they made.
1: Yeah, well, the changes were didn't feel super significant to me. I think they just slightly massaged a few numbers. And yeah, it was
0: interesting because we you know they happened right as we were recording the podcast last week, and just like sort of briefly glancing at it that's what i was thinking but then people on discord were talking about like the changes like they were kind of major for a little bit but then having done about four or five drafts this week uh it really didn't feel like
1: that different either no i i there's um i've forgotten what the what the cornucopia card, horn of plenty uh horn of plenty is boosted a little bit more now i think uh Mm -hmm. And and so that's that might affect things. Although I don't think go wide decks are really that much of a thing still in this format. I don't think there's a ton of support for them. So yeah,
0: I mean there's still the, there's the call the reserves. Card. There is.
1: Send. <laughs> 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 what we need is interns. Uh, send <laughs> send send in the reserves. Yeah, send send for the, the, reserves. Reserves. It's send for send the reserves. reserves. It's not three it's words. It's send for the reserves. Send for, it's send for the forward. reserves. It's send for the reserves. That's that, that's the name of the common. Yeah. Send for the reserves. Yeah. yeah. It's just too many words for a common, basically.
0: Yeah, I mean I mean
1: that's like uh army in a can. It is. Yeah, that's true. It also doesn't need that much help. Like they're pretty they're not so much better as three twos than than they are as two ones in yeah, my experience. No, that's,
0: that's true.
1: Yeah, but there, but it's not. It's certainly if I've got a couple of cent for the reserves in my deck, then and I see uh, a horn of plenty, I I want it, uh, and I'll, I want a horn of plenty anyway. It's still a good card, but um, it doesn't feel vital uh, somehow.
0: No, I agree, and I kind of feel like like you said uh, there, people aren't going that wide, and because this is an aggressive format, I feel like taking turn five off can be kind of punishing just to like play a relic, you know, like a relic that does boost your board. But, you know, if you're not already on the board.
1: Yeah, it's not doing anything to stabilize. And if you're playing time, you're probably in a position where you do need to stabilize. Yeah. On turn five. So just the dynamics of the format make it uh, feel a little bit worse than usual. Um, But still, you know, it's a strong card and it's, its effect isn't really... You can't really do have, get that effect with any other cards, so um, right. it's the kind of thing. And but there's not there's also not a lot of direct relic synergy in the format. So um, at least not with relics that are still in play. Like if it were if it were a relic that went to the void by itself, then you could like get it back and get value. But it's it's the old style relic that just hangs around doing stuff. And yep. not asking anything from anyone. <laughs> <laughs> it's good on its own. <laughs>
0: it's, yeah, and then other than that, you know the the cards we've been talking about still doing great. You know, Barricade Basher still number one. Bannerman send to market. Bastion Gatekeeper Okessa's audience. So the top five. Nothing really changed um, as far as that goes. So I think we can uh, head into our main topic here. Okay, let's do that. So yeah, so this is our kind of follow-up show to last week where we talked about our uh, top commons. And as a reminder, or if you didn't listen, uh, we kind of set our top three commons as Okessa's Audience, Barricade, Basher, and Send to Market as the commons we were most happy to first pick. Um, And so I thought it would be interesting to kind of Set that as our bar to judge uh, the top uncommons for. So I kind of went through all the uncommons and kind of put them in a category of cards I would definitely take over those three, and then some sort of honorable mentions that I just couldn't <laughs> I couldn't quite decide whether I'd take them over those three or not. Um, or some of them where I probably would take them over those three, but I probably shouldn't if I was just caring about win rate as compared to building around a interesting uncommon or whatever.
1: I And I guess with the recent controversy about Barricade Basher, meaning over the last 10 minutes, um, <laughs> should we use that as the benchmark? You know, despite saying all of that, I still end up picking it
0: pretty highly because you're. I feel like I'm supposed to.
1: I, I, I will say one thing about basher being as popular as it is, which is that if you're draft, trying to draft the open factions, I've had a couple of situations where there have been extremely strong rares or uncommons left second or third pick and a common is missing. And I can so confidently say that a basher was taken that I sometimes just stay out of fire. yes at that point.
0: it that's true. Though I do feel like fire is deep enough that multiple it can support multiple people.
1: Yeah, I I it, it can be, but I, it's not infinitely deep. And so it's sometimes an opportunity because I know people are going to be taking the the pet, the person in front of me is taking fire cards that I will get some treasures in in the other factions if mm-hmm. I Make that my main faction, maybe even with fire as a support.
0: Yes. No, I, I I agree with that. I just you know like like I said, I've had a lot of fire decks without bashers, and that's not because I passed the bashers. You know what I mean? Yeah. So so that's kind of my feeling about uh, about that is that makes me think that you know multiple people can be um be in fire because someone's taking the bashers.
1: Yeah. Yeah, they're doing the basher deck and then maybe you can do the, the 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 slower but still overwhelming fire deck well let's get into these uncommons fire fire is first
0: yeah and fire has a lot of good uncommons too uh part of the reason it's such a good color this format so yeah here are the cards i said that i would definitely take over the top commons and uh number one is auto tread which is the one fire one one enemies lose the regen and can't regenerate and pay one and discard a card to deal one damage, auto tread gets plus one, plus
1: one. And we talked about this a bit last week. Um auto tread is just a real a very strong card. It's also a one drop and it has a lot of power for a one drop. Um, we also talked about how uh, this is not really a card that you play on one, so it's not a it's not strictly speaking a one drop. <laughs> yeah. um, you you I usually wait until it can kill something the same turn that it comes down, but there's so many things with, uh, so many good cards in this format with one health um, that it usually finds a target. Not in every case, but usually. And if it takes even one thing down um, and then draws a removal card, it's done a it's probably done a very good job.
0: Yes. Yeah, it's it's such a good card. It's really interesting the to figure out how to play. That's what I kind of like about it. I just beat someone today that played in auto tread turn one against me. And then turn two, I played the two, two that, um, that, you know, the, the fate one, I didn't have anything on board. And then they immediately killed it with their auto tread and made it a three, three. And then I played a three, three. And I was like, I hope I hope they do not kill my 3-3 with the auto tread, because I will not be able to win this game. And they didn't. They just like let me keep playing units and they kept their auto tread not attacking or doing anything as a 3-3 and I was able to claw back in the game. And I get I get they were scared to like discard every card and then lose to a removal spell or something, but at the same time I it feels worth the risk.
1: It sometimes is, yeah. Uh, it's it can it's a tough call, but um, if I can if I can briefly repeat the anecdote from two week, from last week, uh, I I was up against Andrew Beckstrom, who probably designed the card <laughs> and, and played an auto tread on two to kill his to kill his two drop, and then when he played a, a two three against me, I discarded three cards to kill the thing, and then went on to win with just like. With a 5-5 five, five auto tread. And that was it. That was all I needed to do. And I just made that call. And thinking, well, he's probably not going to be able to kill it outright. In in the factions that he's in. I think he was Huru. Uh, he might be able to stun it. But uh, probably going to win if I do this. And, and I did. <laughs> so, yeah. Sometimes you just go all in on it. And, and you don't need any other cards at all. And sometimes that's not the right Uh, call especially if they're in a faction that like if they're in shadow you know and they can probably kill it with one or two cards then or like an execute like getting your auto tread executed is not great
0: yes no i agree i what's interesting though is like you know like after they let my three three live i realized like oh as long as i play things with three toughness they're not going to commit to killing it and so it allowed me to like feel confident playing to the board as compared to if they killed that three three. I'm like, this person is crazy. They'll they're gonna kill
1: anything I play. And then, yeah. <laughs> and then, and then, then they didn't. Die. They did. They were they weren't willing to go there. Yeah. yeah. You can also do fun things if you have a removal card for auto tread and you and your opponent plays it by by baiting it with like cheap units so that they keep discarding cards. And then, and then kill it afterwards. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, man, the sweet thing is bathing it when you have a grizzly contest in your hand. Yeah. Oh, that feels so good.
1: Yeah, it's a good time. <laughs> All right, well, we can't spend as, this long on every as card. As overwhelming but... as Auto Tread is, I think it makes the format more fun. It and doesn't feel good losing.
0: And you can kind of play around it by not playing your cards a little bit, you know, like... Because it doesn't really grow unless, you know, it's not like they're just dropping a 6-6 flyer or whatever. They're dropping a 1-1. And so you have time to, like, sculpt your hand and hopefully draw something that will, that will deal with it or is too big for them to discard to kill it or whatever, you know. So that's what I, I like about it a little bit.
1: Yeah, it's at least interesting. It, it's probably overpowered, but it's interesting. All
0: right. All right. All right, and then next, this will be true for every color, is uh, all the grafters, more or less, are first picks. And so Rust Grafter, the two-fire, two-two with Decay. Ultimate pay three to swap a card from your hand for a fire card or colorless or factionless card from your market. And then give a unit in your hand, plus one, plus one in Decay. Pretty great
1: card. I do want to quickly say that um, whenever I have a grafter, I do put... Um, I do put a, a sigil of, uh, of of that faction into my market because I find that so often I will be able to get up to three power with more expensive cards in my hand. And if I have a grafter, then they just make that transition better. And usually you've got a unit in your hand that can still get the graft bonus. Um, and because you don't have to put that bonus on the card that you get from the market, you're still getting a huge amount of value off of the grafter that way. Yes. And then you agree. just trade the thing off, and and rust grafter is a great blocker because it reduces the attacker's um, strength permanently. Yes. Yeah, yeah. The grafters are all great. So next is
0: uh, scrap metal fury, which is the three fire fire two two with uh, decay, and then summon, add a random fire card to your to your market for it equal to. The number of cards equal to Scrap Metal Fury strength, and then in Tomb draw 1 1 uh, rustling equal to the Scrap Metal Fury strength again.
1: Yeah. The first ability, putting market cards, uh, putting fire cards in the market, usually hasn't been relevant for me. The thing about building them, like having anything in your deck that can access the market, is usually you've already put all the things that you want to get out of your market in your market. So the random cards from something like Scrap Metal Fury are usually just junk. <laughs> but uh, but the fact that this thing does two, does two decay damage to something and then comes back with even more decay bodies uh, makes it really good at its base. And then if you th- throw something like Scythe Slash on it to make it a 6-2 in the middle of combat, then you get six wrestlings and you probably win that game.
0: But yeah, Scrap Metal Fury, I think... Even though it's like slightly uh, understated for a 3-3, you're getting so much value with it. And I've actually had the market thing be kind of relevant um, before. Uh, Every once in a while, you just get lucky. Okay, and then next is Red Plate Crasher, which is the 4-fire-fire, 4-4. And then Summon, you give a unit uh, plus attack this turn equal to red plate crasher's attack so this again is a pretty good bat it's a pretty good body and it adds a lot of stats to the board sort of the turn you play it because you're getting usually a plus four attack bonus and fire is very aggressive in this format um and so it likes to attack and it likes to have plus four attack um you know the card's enjoy that you could put it on for example a scrap metal fury
1: it does it does make them happy yeah
0: and then attack with it um so i think this is kind of an unassuming card but it is a pretty good card
1: i'm usually pretty excited to see these things uh yeah they they let you attack with a unit that might have otherwise become irrelevant on the board um, and and then your opponent can either trade with it, which means they're down a card and the Red Plate Crasher has essentially acted as removal, or they can take a bunch of damage, and you can't really afford to take a bunch of damage against Fire Decks because they have so much burst potential. Um, and yeah, uh, you, it, it just seems like a really solid overall card. Um, and it also fits into Fire Decks on the curve reasonably well, because you, you don't in that faction, you don't get weighed down with four drops too badly.
0: The final card that I have in the definitely, uh, Hats has a different opinion on it, is uh, Passionate stone hammer, which is the two-fire, two-one, Flying Berserk Reckless, Summon Plunder. Uh, this is another card that I like a lot. It's a little fragile, but it just represents so much potential damage,
1: and it's a cheap plunder ability, so I I like it quite a bit. I like it too, for sure. Um, It's just not in my personal definitely file uh, where I would absolutely take it over the top commons in the format because I find that it doesn't really do all that much if I'm not in a deck that can really take advantage of it. And I've ended up in fire decks that have a difficult time increasing the strength of its units. And where, where Stonehammer is at its best is... When you can give it a bunch of strength for one turn, like with a red plate crasher or a side slash, and do like a million damage out of nowhere with its uh, with its berserk ability, and if yeah. I can't do that, then it's a flyer that is never going to be able to block, and I don't like it quite as much. Even though you know it's always nice to have plunder, um, not that it's not a very strong card. I just think there's a lot of commons I would take over it.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I don't. I don't really feel that way as much because. Just feels like there uh, there is a lot of sh- strength boosting. You know, you have the Malaga Munitions that you talked about. If you s- spread out into Justice, which a lot of these Fire decks are doing, you know, Justice is a lot of attack boosting things it can be doing. So I, I've been ha- happy enough with this card. And I, maybe I overvalue cards like this probably, but just like cards that your opponent just like has to kill even if you don't have a way to boost it i i tend to to like you know
1: yeah yeah sure yeah no there's nothing wrong with it it's just, i'm I, I just have a i'm i'm just uh, i've just had enough experiences with it where um i've uh where i've I've, I've not been where it hasn't really done anything effective mm-hmm. on the board that I don't take it as high as as the other cards, which, like, the other cards that we've talked about are good defensively and offensively, and Stone- Stonehammer is a purely offensive card. That is very true.
0: And then uh, in the maybe category, I put Gloves of the Pyromancer, which is the 2-fire, 3-1 fate, transform the bottom card of your deck into a Praxis Outlaw, which is uh, a 4-cost, 3-1 that you can draw if you have no cards left in your hand?
1: I think it only costs three.
0: Oh, three costs awesome.
1: three-one? Yeah, I would not pick gloves like super high. Uh, it, I, I think uh, it's it's not that easy to just get rid of the, all the cards in your hand. I find that when my opponents play Gloves of the Pyromancer, the, the Praxis Outlaw is very rarely relevant to the actual game. I think it's a super cool card. I think it's really neat that it rewards you for emptying your hand um But it, in the end, it's it's ninety nine percent just a three one weapon for two, which is definitely good, especially if you have flyers, um, which are pretty common in, in fire right now. But uh but I just wouldn't. I'm not like excited to see it. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna play fire so I can play Glo- gloves of the pyromancer. It's just a good tool once I'm in fire.
0: Yes. Yeah, I agree. I. Everything that you said about Stonehammer, I kind of would say about Gloves of the Pyromancer, where this wants a very specific fire deck, and you need like good units that can make use of this weapon, so it's, it's a little more niche. I mean, a lot of the fire decks do want a Glove of the Pyromancer, but I would rather know that I was in that deck before I take it. And I've also had the opposite experience, where... Every time my opponents play it, the Praxis Outlaw seems very relevant. And whenever I have it, the Praxis Outlaw seems very irrelevant. <laughs> uh, yeah, sometimes it is, sometimes it's not. So those, those are our opinions on the fire cards. Moving on to time. Uh, time's in a kind of interesting spot for me. The only definite for me is uh, Speed Grafter, which is the two-time 2-2. Uh, with charge and then the same ultimate ability except for time units and
1: you get charge and plus 1 plus 1 yeah it's the charge one it's interesting because time doesn't have a lot of really aggressive tools um and yet it's grafter it, it, it's grafter's ability is only aggressive yes
0: though i will say you know i've had this i guess i just yeah i haven't played the sentinel decks as much um in this format as i did in the preview event but i found the charge really relevant when i played it a bunch in the preview event because just giving a big sentinel charge out of nowhere
1: felt really powerful and i kind of liked it in that usage yeah yeah it's still yeah yeah that's true it's still good because you are likely to give something um charge that has a big impact the turn it comes down mm-hmm. um yeah that, that that's true it's not a bad ability i just don't think it's quite on the level of of the other grafters abilities it feels like this one and the primal one are, are the weakest grafters yes from i, a I sheer agree ability uh, uh standpoint
0: yeah i guess i would put charge i don't know kind of similar to endurance in my mind a little bit but i don't know I would put Primal Way at the bottom, though. <laughs> that I can agree with. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then, so you had another card that you would probably take over most of the commons, right?
1: Yeah, I, uh, Goliath Flytrap. I still think it's a good card. Um, Goliath Flytrap is the 3-5 for 4-time time. On Summon, you plunder, and its ultimate ability is this, at the start of your turn, play Silence. So, essentially, it's a delayed Silence that takes place at the beginning of your next turn. Um, if they can't just kill the flytrap, basically. Um, So I I think between the fact that it plunders and the fact that it silences in a format without a whole lot of silence, that Goliath flytrap, even though it's kind of a slow way of stabilizing, is a really effective way of stabilizing. And if I'm in time, that's an effect that I'm looking for, and I've, I've been pretty impressed with it. I think most of the problems that you have to deal with it can be dealt with by Flytrap. It's just that it's notable that you can't deal with um, Barricade Basher because this is a three 4-power 3-5 as opposed to a 3-power 5-5. Five five. Um, and so it's not a good answer to that. You need other cards in your deck to deal with that kind of problem. But uh, it's, it's played well for me, and I always get a little sinking feeling in my stomach when my opponent plays one because the effect that it has is that it will be able to uh, silence one of your units on the board that you have on the board now. But if you have something else in your hand that's vulnerable to silence, it also prevents you from playing that card. So, in a sense, it time walks you.
0: Yes. Yeah, I agree. I think part of it, it, it might just be my incredible anti-mandrake bias that I have uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that I have going that makes me like it less, but also. You know, the fact that it's double time kind of makes me a little bit more hesitant to to first pick it. That's fair. Um, I think if it was just single time, I would, I would like it a little bit more than I, I currently do.
1: I, I, I should also point out that Goliath Flytrap, because it has an ultimate ability, um, and also a free ultimate ability... Um, is a pretty effective way of activating other mandrakes and so it sets you up to be in the mandrake deck in a in a way um, that not a lot of other cards do because it is a mandrake with an ultimate (laughs) yes and a free ultimate yeah yeah which it really sort of um, those are the you kind of need those cards if you're going to be getting into Mandrakes, uh, and and there's not a ton of them, so Flytrap is is sort of sort of helps get you there, and it give, yeah. it just basically gives you another option for your draft. Is like I I think I actually can do Mandrakes because I've got one of the key cards for it, <laughs> rather than taking a payoff card where you need to look or scrounge for ultimate abilities, and then um, you've already got one. There aren't any other cards I would take over the top commons in time, though. The rest are, are kind of garbage.
0: Yeah, I, I I agree with that. Yeah, the the only one that I, I think I'm higher on than other people is Zumic uh, Whisper, which is the one-time readier units, and they get Decay and Endurance this turn, add two random time cards to your market, just kind of like as... Uh, it, it, I guess I like this more in theory than in practice because I haven't played it that much. But the, the being able to ready your units at fast speed is always sort of an intriguing ability. And, you know, giving decay to units, uh, you know, makes them sudden. Even your small units suddenly very random blockers. But I feel like it has underperformed for me.
1: And they go late, so you don't really need to first pick them. Yeah, I wouldn't at all consider it uh, a card to take early. It's a card to take if you have sort of car- uh, if you have units that are good with it. Basically, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's an interesting card, but it's not like a strong card that you take early. Uh, I used to think that Asri Scout, the two two flyer for three that gives bonuses to all your soldiers when you amplify, what had was going to be good, but I've I found in practice that it's just too difficult to get a huge advantage out of it unless i happen to be in a very strong amplified deck already um so it's a it's a card that i i haven't had a lot of success building around it's more of a reward if i'm already in the deck
0: and i just think one of the problems with smaller flyers is there's just so many good regen flyers out there that
1: yeah a lot of stuff gets shut down by that two one regen flyer for three injustice
0: all right so then on to justice uh In my definitely category, there's a plate grafter, which is the justice grafter that grants endurance. There is a martial efficiency, which is the two justice, give one of your units plus three, plus three this turn and amplify one, play a minus one attack curse on an enemy unit.
1: Yeah. Um. I think if you've played with or against Martial Efficiency, you know that it's one of the best cards in the format, period. If, if you have two Martial Efficiencies in your deck, you're going to have to work hard to lose games. <laughs> it's, it basically just says, I win this combat phase. Uh, it's, and, and in the, in, in the uh, Rakano deck specifically, because one of your problems, if you're going to be throwing down dashers, is um, is that, is that your, oppo- uh, your opponent might have a deadly unit and most of those have one power, and martial efficiency can take care of that for you. It can have zero power. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's just so it's just it's just such a bad card to to print for a limited format. <laughs> it really <laughs> breaks the format. <laughs> if you have, I, I have put my opponent on martial efficiency before. Like I'm fairly sure that they have one in their hand, and and I can beat it um, by 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 baiting it out like by but you can't there is no way to bait it out without at least taking some losses because they're gonna wreck you in at least one combat phase and you just have to minimize the damage
0: i agree it's great card yeah you should take it
1: yeah you take martial efficiency over basically everything i would say it's stronger than all of the fire run commons um except except maybe auto tread but i think i would still take efficiency over auto tread
0: yeah i think i would take auto tread first but that might, again, not be correct. That just might be that I like Auto Tread better than oh, just a Combat Tread. Yeah. Then uh, a little bit of disagreement. I, I think this is more that I just like this deck. Um, I take Call on Allies uh, pretty highly. The three justice, uh, move a random unit in your deck to the top, and then amplify, exhaust the soldier to play a plus three, plus three weapon on it, and move an additional unit in your deck to the top. Um, you know, if you have soldiers in your deck and there's just so many soldiers in this format, uh, they all get really big. And then you only draw gas for the next X turns equal to the number of soldiers you have. So,
1: yeah, there's no question it's a strong card. I just don't personally take it until I am fairly sure that I'm going to be at least in the right faction and that that faction is open. That's yeah, the only I- reason, because if I end up in fire uh what is fire time no it's not fire time fire shadow like if i end up in stone scar which is a real possibility then call on allies just isn't good <laughs> it's not in the right faction and i don't have any soldiers
0: yes yeah i i do think the one thing i like about call on allies a little bit is the soldier synergy is not really a, a particular color pair in the sense that i think it works in cambrai and huru yeah. or Elysian Splash Justice. So, you're not, you know, so there is a little bit of flexibility.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, it's a it's a strong card that can be played in a variety of decks and it's probably going to be good. I, I I may be a little down on it because recently I was playing against somebody who who uh I think was trying to play a Soldier Amplify deck, but Um, I had sort of aggressively traded with all of his early uh, cards. And then uh, their last play, once it was clear that I was going to win the game, was a call on allies with no soldiers on, on the board. They were just like, this is what I had in my hand. I never had time to play it kind of a play. Um, so I was like, I guess that can happen, because it doesn't do anything by itself. But it's very powerful. There's no question in a good soldier deck uh, that, it's, that it's strong. I think it's strong enough to sometimes take it as a speculative pick. It's just not something that I'm personally doing right now. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Did you want to mention air support?
1: Yeah, I like air support. Should I say more about it? <laughs> <laughs> air support is a 3-2 flyer for 6 Justice Justice, and when you summon it, it plays a random soldier. The reason I like air support is is because it randomly just a, just wins a game. And as a 6-drop, maybe it should. Um, maybe it should randomly just win games. I think it's a little busted the way Invoke is busted, where it doesn't discriminate uh, based on how common the soldier is. Maybe it'll just, you know, like, throw down the, the rare that... That that kills another unit. <laughs> the, the the I think it's a four three now because it's been buffed. That just removes a unit to the market, and then you've got to get rid of the four three to get your unit back. Um, or or uh, let's see, there's like Frost Claw Rider <laughs> or something. You know, there's a few things that it can make that make it a, an incredible bargain. Yeah,
0: the the other day I got the um, the new legendary, which is the eight eight with regen and killer that stuns itself
1: oh yeah that's a good one that's a good pull in yeah, a couple of turns yeah there's enough sort of random uh nonsense that happens to be a soldier uh that usually air support is under costed uh you would think that a 3-2 flyer that could that could potentially make a 2-1 would be over but i think it's it, it also just makes two bodies period no matter what which is very good. So I don't know if I actually take it above the best commons, but I would I would take it. I do take it pretty high.
0: I agree. I think the the main reason I don't take it quite so high, even though as, since we did the draft on the podcast a few episodes ago, I've taken it much higher now. Is um, it's just it's still a six cost card, and you only yeah. want so many of them in your deck.
1: Yeah, I'm back to uh, like a traditional curve in this format um, that doesn't sometimes doesn't even have six drops, and I usually don't want more than two cards that cost six. Yeah. So yeah, picking one up early is not always the best idea. In fact, I just wanted to say that you probably shouldn't pick Air Support as high as I've been talking about it. It's just sort of one of my cards that I kind of like.
0: Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, and that's kind of what I felt
1: qualify like. That. An yeah. um, and, and then, it, then a it, lot of people have been talking about Watchwing support uh, is when you play it, a, it's the, uh, it's a relic uh, and it costs two justice. When you play a, an attachment, including Watchwing support, the top unit or weapon of your deck gets plus two, plus two. And then it has a Valkyrie warp ability. Um, and and a, I, I've seen this card be incredibly strong, but I still feel like there are decks where... You don't have enough attachments to make this worth it. So I don't. I really don't know how high to to pick it. I have just haven't had enough experience playing it.
0: Yeah, I. That's. I mentioned it here just because there does there does seem to be people who are incredibly high on it. This card, honestly, might as well say, put the next unit in your deck on the bottom every time you play an attachment. As far as I'm concerned, whenever <laughs> I play this card.
1: Yeah, you do have to draw the unit and and watch wing support absolutely does nothing by itself you know yeah. like it has no board of effect uh, you do have to wait to draw the unit or the weapon so um although it is fun if you play it in a deck with a lot of weapons because the weapon gets the plus two plus two and then it activates Watchwing support again so that's fun yes i agree a little snowball effect there
0: all right and then on to primal uh The definitely's I have is, again, the Rage Grafter, which uh, in Primal, it gives Berserk. I think this is the weakest of of all of the Grafters, but it still gives you market access.
1: Yeah. If Primal had Flyers in this format, then the Berserk would be a lot more relevant. Flyers are distinctly lacking. If If you're pairing Primal with... Uh, you know, the, the Valkyrie colors, uh, either Fire or Justice or Sh- Shadow, which is, seems likely, then you can get something and then and then give one of your Flyers Berserk. And that's a relevant thing to do. But it does feel like the Berserk doesn't often make a huge difference in a game.
0: Yes. Um, and then there's a Vicious Overgrowth, which is the two Primal uh, Overwhelm deal three damage. Amplify
1: two, add a random Primal card to your market. Just an excellent removal spell. Feels like, almost like it should be a common. (laughs) But uh, I do take, this is one of my reasons to get into Primal, is if I start seeing these third or fourth pick, I'm like, oh, I bet I get a lot of good Primal cards because people aren't taking good ones.
0: Yes, yeah, I agree. Um, And I guess it it probably is debatable whether this is uh, better than Send to Market. But it is cheaper.
1: It's cheaper and it kills really a lot of, things that are that are the serious threats that you face in the format basher isn't the only thing that you have to kill a lot of the things that you have to kill are like you know bastion gatekeeper is a good thing to kill with it you know the hammer like we were saying is a good thing to kill with it uh it's it's reasonably efficient um there's not a lot of things with three health a lot of things have one or two health um but you know even then the extra damage isn't wasted because overgrowth has overwhelm.
0: <laughs> yes. So
1: at least you're obnoxiously pinging your opponent in the face when you kill their unit.
0: Yeah, and I mean it's a really weird amplifiability, but there are a fair n- number of amplified payoffs. So it does come up.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, and no, it's nice to just sort of randomly draw two cards for off of a quartermaster when you cast overgrowth. Um yes. Even though the, the amplifiability it doesn't it very rarely has an effect on the game um, itself. like the, the fact that it says amplify on it makes it a, makes it a, a much more interesting card just be, just because of how many things interact with Amplify.
0: Yeah, and as I learned, uh, Primal actually has one of the <laughs> is one of the best random uh, market colors because you can get invasive species which is uh, <laughs> uh-huh. a 2-cost two two 2-1 with Bargain. If you hit the enemy player with two units, you can play it from your market. So even if you have no market access, you can get a Primal card that you can play from your market.
1: Uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty fun. And that's happened to me
0: twice now, actually.
1: Oh, that's wild. That's yeah. <laughs> that's very strange. Uh, but I beg your pardon. It's a one cost two, one.
0: Oh, uh, one cost two, one. I'm so bad with the. Uh, I
1: yeah, didn't no. actually
0: get a chance to play it from my market. I I won before, but I was so excited.
1: I mean, I don't think there's any other bargain cards in the whole format. So, um, I imagine that's not going to happen with anything other than, other than specifically this case
0: yeah other than primal but it is a reason like if you're just like what's the point of amplifying this if you have no payoffs on board and you have no ways to access your market you might be like ah maybe i could bluff something but i do think you know it might not be, you might as well go for it
1: yeah you might as well go for the one in a hundred invasive species
0: all right and then you might definitely is also fluctuate reality which is the three primal transform a unit into a random unit with cost two more if it's yours and two less if it's an enemy's and then amplify two, transform an additional unit.
1: Yeah, this is good stuff. I really underestimated this card when I first saw it. So I was like, well, it's not actually getting rid of anything and sometimes they'll just randomly uh, give them (laughs) a a roughly equal or even better board. But in practice, uh, it's, it's pretty powerful. And speaking of barricade basher, turning it into any one drop at all is is, is pretty insulting.
0: Yeah, exactly. It, you know, it, it get you can just get pop flyers out of the air and make them you know worse units. It just you know can do so much with no amplify. It's a little expensive for its effect, but you know, changing a a unit by two instead of one is can be so huge.
1: Yeah, it's pretty big. And you can transform your own units, too. And so the Amplify rarely goes to waste. Like, sometimes you'll only have one unit on your opponent's side that's giving you any trouble. And so you just sort of upgrade your team as well. So it scales extraordinarily well. Yes.
0: And it scales well, especially in draft, because, like you said, with the Invoke stuff, you know, you can get Legendaries. And because it's draft, you're probably able to play this on a lot of your, like, filler commons and potentially upgrade them into much better cards.
1: Yeah. There's one fun thing uh, that has that you just sort of have to keep in mind when you're playing this card uh, is if you downgrade anything of your opponent's to a zero-cost card, uh, like if you play this on a two or a one, you can end up having to face down a flyer now because they made that zero-cost 1-1 one, one Valkyrie. Mm. that can't block. And sometimes that actually makes your position worse. So I generally don't cast this on my opponent's units that cost two or less. So just yeah, just a general tip for fluctuate reality. Unless it's a two drop that's really going to cause you a lot of trouble, probably don't fluctuate it. And then on all my right. list is Root Ripper. Root Ripper is, uh, is a two-two for four primal primal. Uh, when Root Ripper attacks, all of your Mandrakes get plus one strength and overwhelm. Uh, but its summon ability is the real prize uh, because you get to transform any other unit into a 3-3 Mandrake. Uh, this is also removal um, when you need it to be. And of course, a 3-3 Mandrake is still something that you're going to have to deal with. But sometimes your opponent has bombs. Sometimes your opponent has a, has has, has row or uh you know like a really really giant frost claw rider or just something that you have to deal with and downgrading it to a three three is fine better than nothing and also you can upgrade your small units into three threes 3s uh, and then the root ripper uh, will attack and make it a four three with overwhelm so it's just a, a huge effect on the board and it's so versatile uh that it's a card that i'm like if i'm in primal i'm always playing it And uh, I guess it does have double Primal, so you end up having to be kind of committed to Primal. But if this comes down late on the board, it's still very good. I think I've already talked about Root Ripper on the podcast, though, so I don't have to get into it too much more. But I do value it pretty high. And if I see it like third or fourth pick, I'm definitely going to be playing Primal that draft because I know people aren't valuing the cards in Primal correctly for that one.
0: Yeah, well, I guess that's where I, I would fall on this card. I really do like Root Ripper a lot, too. But it's not necessarily like pack one, pick one. I'm not playing primal for this card. This is a card, like you said, that I'm like really excited to get. You know, three, third pick, fourth pick, fifth pick, or whatever. And then I'm like, feel like I'm, you know, now I'm playing primal because I know primal's opening open. But this is not a card that like, yeah, like like I said, this it, it's a it's double primal, so it's a little committing and it's strong but but not strong enough to warp my draft.
1: Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I'm probably a little higher on it than other people, but that's also because I'm I'm more I'm pretty comfortable playing primal in this format and mm-hmm. I so I don't like I'm not worried that I get into primal and that I won't have a playable deck.
0: Yeah. And then um, uh, the the next this other card is kind of interesting to me, and that's Forbidden Tree, which is the 6 Primal Primal, 6-3. Six, Berserk, Regen, Amplify 1, give the enemy unit Reckless until your next turn. And this is a card that I actually haven't played that much, mostly, I think, because it's 6 cost. But the fact that it can very easily be removal by giving... Any, any enemy unit that has six or less health, uh, reckless, and then just blocking with this uh, is pretty intriguing to me. And so I'm wondering if I should be picking this higher.
1: Because it is a six drop, and I do try to keep my curve pretty low in this format, I, I don't like first pick the thing. But it is a super strong card. <laughs> yeah, it plays very well. Um, and the fact that it has Berserk, is actually usually pretty relevant um it'll because it can do i mean it's got six strength so if if it goes unblocked when it attacks it's doing 12 damage it's a lot i often berserk this thing after the on the uh, the first time that i attack with it um and because it, like you your opponent in order to stop the thing if it didn't if if you just play it on six let's say you don't even use its amplify ability um then your opponent's probably going to have to trade two cards with it because it can trade with absolutely anything and um so they're gonna have to block to get the regen off and then they're gonna have to block with something fairly big you know at least medium size to kill it if you do do the um amplify thing it can be absolutely devastating um because it it kills something fairly big by itself and then of course you can kind of engineer that combat turn if you have enough power sitting around to probably take something else out with your army. And um, yeah, it, it plays very well in my experience. Uh, it kind of looks like a card that you should only play when you have seven or more powers so that you can use it to its fullest potential. But in my experience, if you just play it on six, your opponent still has a massive problem to deal with because regen makes it just so hard to um, to block effectively and it's often at least a two-for-one. Yes. Um, and
0: then uh, the two other Primal cards I kind of wanted to mention, one is Cyber Combustion, which is the two Primal a unit to deal three damage to each non-Grenadin unit. Um, we've talked about this card before. Grenadin seems to be hard to get into, at least the Primal versions of the deck. Um, it's really surprising to me because Grubbot seems like such a great card, and this seemed like such a great card, but... I have yet to really be able to draft it or really see anyone do it against me.
1: I haven't seen it much. I know um, I know John Avon had a good Skycrag Granite in deck that had mm-hmm. two Cyber Combustions in it. It's kind of the only time I've seen it be really good. I think that this is um, a card that is going to be great in a very small number of decks in this format, but if they continue printing... Grenadines in Primal, then it'll be a great card to have in the in the draft packs in future formats.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I do also think it's possible if they really up the fixing in one of the iterations of this format. You know, this might go. This might go like if they.
1: Oh, you can be in Stone Scar and splash this card. Yeah,
0: yeah, you know, like if they start putting strangers back in, or you know,
1: fixing strangers or something. Yeah.
0: Crazy. And it oh. seems
1: like this is a card that you should be able to play um, in, a, in, in any Primal deck, but I don't know. It, it's, it's hard to put together a deck where this doesn't wipe out half your board as well, if, yes. if you're not playing Grenadines.
0: Yes. Yeah, I, I agree. It, it still just baffles me, though, because, it, like you said, it, it seems like it should be good in certain decks, but I just don't really see them. But I also don't see them in the draft that much. So I feel like someone must be taking them.
1: Yeah, yeah, that people are taking them and then, and then I guess, failing with them? I don't know. It's hard yeah. to say. <laughs> it's very mystifying to me. Yeah. Uh,
0: then the final card, and this is, again, a card I... I guess I, I saw you speaking highly of it in Discord and then some other people... Um, that is uh, Frost Claw Rider, which is the six primal primal five five plus two plus two for each of your other soldiers, and then if there's a stunned enemy unit or stunned unit on the board, it costs two less.
1: Yeah, and if I was talking talking it up before, I'm not quite as high on it now. I, I think it's a good thing to have at the top of your uh, at the top of a soldier deck, but. If you're somehow in primal and not really in soldiers, which can happen, then I don't think I think Frostclaw Rider is actively bad because then it's a just a five five for six, and that's they might as well not have any text. Um, and there's not enough stun effects in the format where it's easy to make it, to to bring it out on four. So. Uh, uh, so I don't take it that high, but if I am in soldiers, it is a good finisher because it ends up being the very, very biggest thing on the board. It's bigger than all the other sentinels. Like it, you know, it can be this 11, 11. Um, and that's very difficult to deal with without, you know, a specific removal. So, um, so I think it's fine to pick up if you're in soldiers, but I don't think of it as a build around card now. I think of it as a reward if I'm already in the deck.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. Because, you know, at the end of the day, no matter how big, it's still a single unit without any evasion. And like you said, there's so little stun in this for- format that it's just almost always a six-cost unit. All right, so on to Shadow. Uh, the cards I have uh, in the definite category, again, the Vine Grafter. This is the two-shadow tutu with regen for the shadow one. I think this is probably
1: the strongest of the grafters. Yeah, absolutely. Regen is just the best ability. Yes. Regen um, practically is card advantage just all by itself in an ability.
0: Yeah, exactly. You turn a sigil into a unit, and then you make that unit a two-for-one. It's uh, pretty great. Uh, the other Another card is uh, Nectar of Unlife. This is the two shadow decay, deal two damage, amplify three, draw, draw a unit from your... Void, it gets decayed in void bound. I don't even understand why this gives it decay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's a zombie now. Um, yeah. Yeah, the giving it decay is very strong, actually. There's there's cards that are that are pretty um, that are pretty difficult to deal with once they have the uh, I mean yeah, so... I get like deal with emotionally. I mean you can still kill them. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah. Yeah, I guess there's just there's not that much void recursion. You know, triumphant return is boosted to some extent, but there's not that many
1: ways to get um things yeah, from the void. So there's nothing else in um there's nothing else in Empire of Glass at uh and there's certainly nothing at Common. There's I guess Shoal Stirrings is the other one, but yeah, yeah. This is one of the few ways to get recursion on your units, um, unless they're sentinels, in which case there's a ton of ways. But uh, well, I guess there's one way anyway. So what I'm saying is, if you just want to get anything back from the void, this is the only way to do it, real realistically. Yeah, and it's still it's like a fine spell just to play on two. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. Um, it's more expensive than um, than corrosive rounds. Uh, which was one for the same effect, you'll know, two decay damage, but yeah. uh, it's it's still great at two. <laughs> yeah. And then if you do get up to eight power, then Nectar of Life wins the game. And you know, cards that that's why Amplify is such a strong ability in draft is that it scales well, and Nectar of Life scales super well.
0: And then two cards that I put uh, as honorable mentions: uh, one is Shoal Stirrings, which is the five shadow shadow play two Mandrakes from your Void, Fate, each unit in your Void gets plus two attack. This card is obviously very strong, but you really need to be in the right deck. Uh,
1: Putting it in eternal card game terms, Schulsterings is a bit of a trap card, um, where if you try to build around it, there's a real possibility you are not going to be able to make a Mandrake deck because they won't be available. Um, And that's a bad position to be in. But... It is a very, very strong card in if you have enough Mandrakes, where you're going to regularly have two of them in the Void. Um, I, I just think that deck doesn't always come together. It's basically the Shoal Dredger deck, uh, where you're hoping to just dump as much of your deck in your Void as possible anyway. Uh, in which case, Shoal Stirrings is great. Unless it goes to the Void, and then you just look at it there. And you're like, oh, my soul Strings is in my void. <laughs> that's a shame. I guess it was on the bottom of my deck anyway, because that's where a lot of the, the void dump cards in this format uh, come from. But uh, yeah, um, I, I've just, uh, I, I just realized that it was an incredibly powerful card that didn't pay off a high enough percentage of the time for me to be picking it early. It's definitely a card I only take now if I if I know it's it's going to be able to consistently do its thing. If you're just getting one Mandrake back from your void, it's still fine. You're also boosting the attack, so yeah. I huh. also think it's a it, it's a decent um, market card if you have shadow uh shadow market access, um, because then you can put get the fade ability when you want it, and also you you don't there's zero chance that you'll have it in your hand when you can't play it. Yes. And zero chance that it'll go to the void. So mm-hmm. if I have market access, like if I've started the draft with a vine grafter or two, then Shoal Strings goes way up on my pick list.
0: Yeah, no, I,
1: I yeah, I agree with that.
0: Um, and then my last honorable mention is Invasive Creeper, which is the three shadow two, two. When you play an ultimate ability, your mandrake get plus one attack and life steal. Fate draw a card if you have a Mandrake.
1: It's a good, it's a really good payoff. For mandrakes but again it's it's just difficult enough to get into the mandrake deck that i don't really think invasive i don't pick invasive creeper all that high if uh, it, it's it's definitely for me a reward if i already have sort of a critical mass of mandrakes because it's, exactly. it's so unimpressive if you don't if you don't have that
0: yeah and and the other reason i kind of wanted to bring this up is uh, i is i just don't think any of the of the cycle of fate draw card, if you have uh, X unit type are really first pickable cards. They're like, they're great. Like you said, reward cards, especially if you have market access, but none of them I think are really first pickable.
1: No, no, I agree.
0: All right. And then on to um, a, a couple of the, The Multicolor uh, Uncommons. Uh, For me, the definite is Metal Fang, which is the 6 Stone Scar 5-4 with a book text. Uh, Summon, play a 1-1 Ticking Grenadin and a 1-1 Grenamender, and then pay 3 and sacrifice another unit to give Metal Fang Charge and Lifesteal this turn. And Flying. And Flying, yeah. Charge,
1: Flying, and Lifesteal. And it's a Valkyrie. Which is often relevant.
0: Yes, it's never relevant to me because I'm always in Grenadines when I'm in so Saskatchewan. Sure. But fair enough. But uh, theory, theoretically- I had a,
1: I had this in I, my my last seven o deck was an Argent Port deck, splashing fire for two metal fangs, and I also had a Battlefield Scrounger, which is the one three with Warcry, and uh, its ultimate ability is to pay four to get a Valkyrie back from your void, put it in your hand, and give it Warcry. Um, and you could just sort of feel my opponent's uh, hearts uh, shrivel up and die when, after they worked so hard to kill my Metal Fang once, I brought it back with a Scavenger.
0: <laughs> yeah, I agree. Man, it, it this is such a great card to bring back because you get two more bodies with yeah. it. Um, the other cute thing that I like about Metal Fang is um, this very rarely comes up. But you can use its ability more than once per turn. And so you are able to do things like attack in with your Ticking Grenadine and then get one damage from that and then sack it for lethal and
1: stuff. And I've, I've done that actually multiple times. Yeah, that's true. It feels weird that you can do it more than once in a turn because Flying Charge and Lifesteal are not abilities that stack. Yeah, exactly. Um,
0: so there are some cute things. I, this is one of the most splashable cards, um, in the format, as far as like these multi, you know, like this is a card that if you can play even a little shadow or a little fire, you know, it's almost worth putting it in most decks. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah, it really is. Uh, uh, like, I, like I've said a couple of times here, um, I don't like to put a lot of 6-drops in my decks in this format because it is pretty fast and I like to keep my curves low. And because of Amplify, um, if you Flood, um, then your cheap cards usually scale well. But Metal Fang is one of the few 6-drops that gives you enough value to really justify putting it in the deck. Because um, the Ticking Grenadine does 3 damage to your opponent. The, the Grenamender heals you for 3 it makes three bodies, and it's a very difficult card to effectively defend against. So, yeah, it's a, it's yeah, a super good card. It's,
0: it's such a stabilizing force. It, it allows you to play so much more aggressively. And I don't even mean attacking, but just like playing aggressively with your own life total because you know that on sick, well, I guess it's sort of the turn after. But even like like you said, it plays a Grenadier, which gives you the three health. But it just allows you to like pad your life total after developing more slowly than you might normally because you have a metal thing. Yeah, it's
1: uh, it's it's definitely up there for cards that I see in a pack, and I'm like, well, there's going to have to be something pretty spectacular in the rest of the pack for me not to just blindly pick this. Yes.
0: And then uh, the two other cards that uh, I have as sort of honorable mentions, and I think you maybe would just pick them, is uh, Deathwing, which is the 3 Argentport, 2-3 Flying Deadly Lifesteal, and um, the Glen Scout, which is the 2 Elysian, 2-2 two, two Flying Amplify 3, play a 3-3 three, three Mandrake.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think deathwing is worth splashing for um because whenever you happen to play it during a game it will still be relevant because it'll uh it 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 can either trade with any threat that i guess any threat that doesn't have regen but still most threats um and also slowly gain you life uh, evasively so i think it's uh it's a card that you can splash so i'm not worried about it um being a two-faction card And Glen Scout scales uh, extremely well because it has Amplify. So it's another card that I think of as being a safe splash card.
0: Yeah, I guess for me the Glen Scout is... uh, Because, you know, it does scale well, but, you know, you're just making... The three threes you're making are ground units, so it's not like a finisher. It's just like kind of a clog up the board... It the its real attack power is still just like the 2-2 two, two flying. And so it doesn't feel as exciting late game to me as it could. And it's in Elysian, um, which is, I think, not as good of a color pair, despite <clears throat> what I said earlier about me liking Elysian. Um, so I'm like not as certain... That I'm going to be Elysian as I am, like unlike metal thing. Like if I draft the metal thing, I'm still pretty confident I'll be able to figure out a way to play Stone Scar colors, and I'm less so about about Elysian
1: colors, where I more things need to work out. Yeah, that's fair. Um, Glen Scout does play well with anything that you might end up doing in Elysian, though because it has amplify it activates all the amplify things because it's a soldier um it pings off all the soldier things um and then it's a a flyer which you often don't get access to if you're playing a legion in this format because weird weirdly (laughs) like you don't get flyers in primal or um or primal or time like you normally would so uh is one of the side effects of all the Valkyries being in the other three factions um, and so I find that it just does something so unique that that uh, synergizes so well with anything that I might end up doing in the, those factions that uh, it's generally a pretty strong card wherever I end up um, yeah uh, I, I may I may overvalue it I don't know but I do I do I, I it's another one of those cards where when my opponent plays it um, and activates the amplify I get that sinking feeling in my stomach like oh I gotta deal with this now so <laughs> I according to my according to my tummys rating of opponent's cards uh, it's very strong
0: <laughs> yeah. all right yeah I guess
1: I haven't also seen it very often yet so, so Well, that's knows? just because there's I mean you're very unlikely to run into somebody playing a lesion
0: <laughs> exactly that's what I that's
1: I guess that's my point though. Yeah, you can play Illusion though. It's open. Yeah, it's, the, <laughs> it's open this draft. Trust me.
0: <laughs> All right, and then uh, to close out here, um, I just thought we I'd give a list of the the sort of top uncommons in the seven win deck lists. Uh, so number one is Auto Tread, um with fifty three copies, which means and the only reason I say this number is to give some context uh, between colors. This is a thing that Ben used to harp on a lot when he was on the show, is what 53 copies of Autotread means is about um, 40% of the fire decks that we received have a, a copy of Autotread in it, which is not exactly true because some might have two copies or whatever, but, and that is by far the, the sort of most impactful uncommon in our sheet. Uh, next is Martial Efficiency, uh, which has 43 copies. So about 35% of decks have a Martial Efficiency in it. Then in raw count is, again, Red Plate Crasher, which is 37 copies. And then Vine Grafter's number four. But because we have so many fewer shadow decks that we've received, Vine Grafter is actually the second most impactful Uncommon. For, its co- for for the decks. You know, there's more copies. About 40% of Shadow decks have a Vine Grafter in it.
1: Right, whereas only about 30% of, of Fire decks have a Crasher. Yes.
0: And then number five is Passionate Stonehammer. Then there's a Plate Grafter. Then Metal Fang, Rust Grafter, Scrap Metal Fury, and Nectar of Life are the top 10. Metal Fang, again, is uh, uh, the most notable one. 65 percent of uh stone scar decks that can play stone scar have a metal thing in it. so uh yeah that's something and then interestingly the first time card is goliath flytrap with 22 copies and not that high of a sort of effectiveness it's just 31 percent of decks uh have a have a goliath flytrap And then the first uh, primal uncommon is fluctuate reality with 17 copies. And again, that's about uh, 33% of decks have a fluctuate reality.
1: Also veteran strategist is pretty high up there. And I kind of, that's kind of a great, that's kind of a great card. That's the zero four that you, uh, that has an ultimate where you pay two and Mm -hmm. and get an influence of any uh, of any color and Uh, It's funny how everyone's playing this thing now because I think it was ignored for a while and then in this format, it was like, oh, wait, this is just a great card that you should put in every deck. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah, I actually I'm a little surprised it's as low as it is because it is a colorless card. I was almost expecting it to be a little higher because, you know, sort of like Bannerman, you can just play it in every deck
1: yeah and it's also a soldier, so you get that uh, that other benefit of uh, soldier It activating soldier cards.
0: It has a lot of utility because it's a soldier, it triggers ultimates, it yeah. blocks pretty well
1: and it fixes yeah, yeah, it's very versatile. I pick them pretty high only in the most aggressive decks do i do I not um, want want it okay
0: I think those are some those are the highlights there. So that was probably everything you ever wanted to know about Uncommons and Empire of Glass. So I hope everyone enjoyed the show because it's ending right this second. That's our show. Thank you again to all our patrons for making the show a success. And for those of you who are not patrons, a reminder to give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Uh, Join us in our Discord. There's a link in the show notes. A lot of fun conversations there. We love it when people join and talk. We love talking. Finally, thumbs up all of Raven Dragon's Reddit posts. And don't forget to send all your 7-win deck lists you do this week to farmingeternal at gmail.com. And remember to keep on farming. Have a good night. Un-
1: underappreciated intern? Well, have a good night.
0: We appreciate you. Okay. Felt like there's probably a funny follow-up to that that I, no, I did. that's was fine. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't tell you I was going to do it. Cool. We survived that show.